Thank you for joining us today on Drawing Near. This podcast is designed to help in drawing near to God through reading God's Word and then applying its truths to our lives. If I can be of assistance to you, feel free to reach out to me through my email address in the description section of this podcast. The Lord Jesus had enemies, this we know, and his enemies wanted to silence him. They also wanted to discredit him. What lengths would they go to in order to accomplish this? Today on Drawing Near, the high priest and scribes send spies to watch Jesus. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 20 as we study Spies in the Crowd. And as we prepare for today's study, let's pray together. Father in heaven, as we come before you today, we give thanks for your love, mercy, and grace. A mercy and grace, Father, that gave the life of Jesus Christ so that we might have forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Father, you literally created us, and then after we rebelled, you purchase us back. You redeem us with the blood of Christ. We praise you for this. And Father, help us to watch with awe and amazement how this process unfolds so that we may be grateful and worship and glorify you and Jesus through your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In Luke chapter 20, beginning in verse 20, we read these words. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be righteous, that they might seize on his words in order to deliver him to the power and the authority of the governor. So we already know that these chief priests and scribes are angry with Jesus. They know Jesus has spoken against them, that Jesus has accused them of rejecting the Messiah, rejecting the Son, which they were in the process of doing right here. And so after this confrontation, we're told they watched him. But they didn't just simply watch him. They wanted to get as close to him as possible so that they might hear some inside information, some secret thing. So they sent spies in among, I'm assuming, the disciples who pretended to be righteous. Now think about that. I want you to really think about that. Who pretended to be righteous. They weren't righteous. It's as if they went and found these individuals who were spies and then had them pretend to be righteous. What person on this planet doesn't try to be righteous, doesn't try to be right? Who has to pretend to be righteous? Think about that. Isn't that an amazing thought? And these spies pretended to be righteous that they might seize on his words. They assumed that Jesus was like they were, that he pretended to be something on the outside, but then when he withdrew, he spoke secret words that could incriminate him. And they did this so that they could deliver him over to the power and the authority of the governor. They wanted Jesus to say some blasphemous thing, some horrible, sinful thing, so that they could arrest him and turn him over to the governor. These are wicked and vile individuals who are the chief priests and the scribes. These people who are coercing individuals to pretend to be righteous, to spy on Jesus, and they are plotting so that they can turn Jesus over to the authority of the governor. In verse 21, Then these spies, they ask him, saying, Teacher, we know that you say and teach rightly. And you do not show personal favoritism, but teach the way of God in truth. Now pause. I wonder if that's what they really believed. I wonder if these pretending spies really believed that Jesus said and taught rightly and didn't show personal favoritism and spoke the way of God in truth. 
If they believe that, what does it mean? Well, it means that they knew that they were pretenders, that they were hypocrites, that they were evil, vile individuals bent on trying to betray to the scribes and to the high priest this righteous man who spoke the way of God in truth. Now, if they didn't believe that, if they did believe Jesus was a hypocrite, then this is part of their pretending. So in verse 22, they ask him this question. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, this was a big deal. The Jews did not want to pay tax to Caesar. They fought against it. And yet that's why the publicans, the tax collectors, were in and among the Jewish people to collect taxes for Caesar. And so anyone who promoted this was like a publican, a tax collector, a sinner. In verse 23, it says, But Jesus perceived their craftiness. They were being cunning and crafty. And he perceives this and he says to them, Why do you test me? He calls them on the carpet. He knows they're trying to catch him in something. Why do you test me? Then he responds, show me a denarius, a Roman coin. Whose image and inscription does it have? And they answered and said, it's Caesar's. So Roman money was flowing through the temple grounds. Roman money was being used by these Israelites, these Jews, the proselytes to Judaism as they were coming to Jerusalem for the Passover. And so Jesus says, whose image is on the coin? They said, it's Caesar's. Then in verse 25, Jesus says this, And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. If this coin has Caesar's image on it, then give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. That's genius. That's wisdom. That doesn't get him into trouble. But notice the second part of verse 25, And render to God the things that are God's. Now, before we can do that, we need to ask the question, what things are God's? What things belong to God? We've already addressed that, haven't we? Everything belongs to God. The wealth in every mine, cattle on a thousand hills. He created everything. Everything is his. We are simply stewards of what belongs to God. We don't own anything. Even the coin with Caesar's image on it was manufactured by Rome, but the minerals, the elements that went into it, belong to God. So Jesus really doesn't help them here. He doesn't fall into their trap, and he tells them a wise, truthful saying. Give to God what belongs to God. You discern what belongs to God, and you discern what belongs to Caesar, and you give accordingly. You pay taxes, you give offerings accordingly. Now, we need to ask the question of ourselves, do we give to God the things that are God's? Do we give him our heart? Do we give him our life? Do we give him a portion of all that he has entrusted to us? Do we give him our tithes and our offerings? Do we give him our time, our talents, our treasures? Do we give God all that is due God? If we're honest, we're probably going to say no. Are we seeking to give to God what belongs to him? Are we acknowledging what belongs to God? These are important questions, and they're all interlaced in this response in verse 25. In verse 26, it says, But they could not catch him in his words in the presence of the people. And they marveled at his answer and kept silent. They could not catch him in his words. They could not trap him or trick him. They couldn't find anything through their spying, through their scheming, they couldn't find anything to catch Jesus in his words in the presence of the people. 
They wanted to make Jesus look bad in front of the people. They wanted the people to see Jesus as a fraud, and they couldn't bring this about. And notice the response. These people who had to pretend to be righteous, when they came face to face with Jesus and his wisdom, they marveled at his answer. They weren't just frustrated. They weren't just beaten. They marveled at his answer. And as a result of it, they kept silent. They were no match for the Lord Jesus. Now, you know this, right? No one's a match for the Lord Jesus. He is God in the flesh. He has the wisdom and the power of God. He speaks those things that he heard from the Father. He is wise. He is knowledgeable. He is insightful. And so they marveled at his answer and kept silent. Now, on another note, thinking about they marveled at his answer, do we marvel at the words of Christ? Do we take time to really hear what Jesus says or what God says in his holy word? Do we take time to listen, to meditate, to think and ponder, and then to marvel at his answer? One of the things we as believers need to do is to be in awe of the works and the words of God. That's a part of our worship. We need to be impressed. We need to be amazed. We need to see these words as the words of God. We need to see the works of God as his mighty works. That's why so much of the Bible recalls for us all of the mighty works of God. The Psalms are filled with these things. The Bible is filled with account after account after account of miraculous, supernatural events that God does to make himself known. And these things are done to invoke a response from us. Faith, wonder, awe, worship. We need to magnify and glorify God. These spies, these pretenders, marveled at his answer and kept silent. We need to be in awe of the words of Christ. I pray that we are. Father, I thank you that these individuals couldn't find any just reason to accuse Christ. With all of the effort, with all of the digging, with all of the spying, no one who was an enemy of Christ could bring any accusation against him. Now, there are people today who try to, but they're wrong. They fail. Jesus' life and his words have stood the test of time. He is your son. He is God in the flesh. And yet they do crucify him. They do convict him. But they do so with lies and deceit and scheming. Such is the way of men. But these are not your ways, and we praise you for that. Father, guide us in the way everlasting. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or the Facebook page Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City based on the truth that if we will draw near to God, He will draw near to us.